25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to him. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. What is up? How y'all are? Welcome back to SEC Media Days, Hour 2 on Day 3. I'm Matt Wyatt, live on Radio Row at the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover, Alabama. It's Mississippi State Day. It's also Bama Day. Uh, Hey, and I'm about to throw some real fuel on a flaming fire. I'm going to fan the flames of a fire that's already lit out there in football fandom land. And Gabe Bach from Texags and Texags.com just put the headset on. Matt Wyatt. What up, man? Have you had lunch? I did. Let me give you a little slack on the headset. I thought the... I kind of thought the fish? fish was a little better than the chicken, frankly, but people at my table kind of disagreed. It was a split de- split thing. <laughs> split decision. And I saw here you doing some alliteration as I was walking up. I'm doing That's everything I can. I'm just trying to copy you I do guys. that. Well, I do that with Olin. We have an Olin sound off where he rants about all kinds of stuff, but in 2016 it got way too political, so we took like a year and a half off of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't our choice, let's put it that way. Hey, have I, no, noticed, have I noticed Olin getting into some yeah. politics every now and then on his Twitter feed uh, over there? Especially – yeah, but especially Facebook. If you want to, if you want to really okay. find the scoop and what's going on, you need to follow Olin okay. Buchanan on Facebook. You Olin know, the, Buchanan. The from old Texas. guys are on face, Facebook now, so that's what he does. But did you just say the old guys are on Facebook now? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna tell him you said that. That is well, fantastic. we call him Grandpa. So when he drives, you know, oh, so he already knows. But that we had stuff. Olin sound off, and it was. Um, it's time to climb inside the cranky cranium of the crusty curmudgeon and check out what's crammed in the crawl of the crazy, calculated, often critical, but at times cool, calm, and collected, country twang, college sports columnist and commentator. Holy cow, Gabe. So there's Roger. Your- Producer Roger. <laughs> Gabe sat right here and looked me in the eye the entire time he rattled that off. He did not read it. Can you believe that? That's well, you impressive. were doing <laughs> that <laughs> impressive. Well, you were doing that football one, the yeah. Fs. And I'm like, the hey, Fs. that's pretty good. We got the same thing. My favorite is top ten tussle in Tuscaloosa, but we haven't yeah. had any of those lately. <laughs> right. Hey, so you're God bless Jackie Sherrill, though. Absolutely, and God bless Farm Bureau. Oh, we yeah. are in the yeah. Farm Bureau studio here on Radio Row. Farm Bureau, go with the home team, and God bless High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany, Mississippi. Oh, I love coffee. My man Dan, the coffee man. I challenge okay. you, Gabe. To go to highpointroasters.com. It's what I drink. Okay. okay? Good. And they have – Dan travels all over the world. Um, nice. Man, I got something going here. He travels all over the world, brings the coffee back to New Albany. They're the oldest coffee roaster in Mississippi. Oh, wow. But I get the New Albany blend. I grind it up every morning, put it in that French press. Bang. Oh, man. And now we're oh, off yeah. and running. I love that. My, my good buddy is the Olympic – he's an Aggie. 
He's the Olympic Committee Chairman of, uh, of El Salvador. He's a coffee mogul. Okay. He's All an right. agriculturalist, and he's a coffee mogul in El Salvador, which is some of the best coffee. So we got to get these guys together. Got to get them and together. And it's a love-hate relationship with Farm Bureau Insurance simply because my longtime producer, and in this world when you're dealing with college kids, you don't have a producer more than one or two years. Yeah. I just had one guy leave after like seven years and then on the radio side to go of things, work for farm bureau on, no on the video no. but on the radio side of things he's leaving in three weeks because he just got hired by farm bureau insurance <laughs> so it's love hate yeah it, they're a great insurance company no but doubt. i hate they're taking my man t-town he, well, we call him t-town his name's taylor travis there you go shout out to t-town that's right <laughs> hey look uh gabe from texags.com yep. and texags radio gay buck so i'm about to throw some fuel on a fire that's uh-oh. burning out there oh i got uh, thousands of listeners right now okay who are going to sh- nod their head and go yep <laughs> i told you <laughs> so it is bama day yes here yes saving is here Tua right. is here right nothing like bama day when this thing's in hoover that's right but it's this great. is day three yes. so this is so we've had two previous days we have you know Ole miss and a&m have already been here and others georgia's already been. That's right but today on bama day <laughs> Sitting right behind you, Gabe, in that restaurant right there, in the back corner. Look who that is eating right now. That is, that is uh, Gary Danielson. Gary Danielson from CBS, yeah. right across from Brad Nestler of CBS. Yeah. yeah. Our fans and everybody else around the SEC jokes that the CBS game of the week is really just the Alabama Network, basically. And yes. doggone if it isn't Bama Day and Saban's here. And doggone if I don't look up for the first time, we see Gary Danielson oh, and Brad Nestler. I hadn't seen them all week. Maybe they're here for state. They showed up today. I saw, no, look, I saw <laughs> they're not here for state. I saw um, Danielson walk in with his suitcase this morning oh, yeah. around the Bama fans, and he wore sunglasses the whole way. How about that? Jimbo did that, though. Jimbo did it. Jimbo made it look cool. I'm not sure Gary Danielson made it look very cool, though. He didn't. Boy, that is a that is a, that's not ironic. It's not I'm ironic. sure that's coincidental. I think that was planned, and I could have bet on that. If you give me a thousand bucks, it wins Gary Danielson showing up. Bama Day, Wednesday for Mississippi State. It is an absolute fact if you're listening, and we are not exaggerating it one day no. whatsoever. Hey, no, uh, right. if you're listening, and you we've got a little time here uh, before Joe Moorhead pops up at the podium that's upstairs. Right. Uh, Brett Hudson, part of the team here on the media team, caught up with Daryl Williams, our starting offensive lineman up there. We're going to play you that sound. He caught him with a one-on-one. That's coming up. But if you're listening and you have a question or a comment for Gabe Bach at Texags and Texas A&M, uh, you can text the show right now, 885-ESPN. I was reminded last night by someone at the Central Mississippi Bulldog Extravaganza to remind people it's a 601 area code, 601-885-ESPN. And then, of course, the Divinity Equipment phone, 995-1059. You got it? Repeat after me, 601-995-1059. So give us a shout. Gabe. Yes, sir. um, The question that I get and have been getting and all these people want to talk quarterbacks around the SEC, they all say, who is that quarterback that outside of Tua and Fromm is going to make that jump into the first tier? And, you know, there's plenty of candidates. Well, there's a lot. You got two on your team. Two? What about Mond at I love Texas Mond. A&M? I, I like Mond a lot. Mond, Mond believes in himself now. Yeah, he's you can not, tell that. He's not crazy cocky, but he's a very confident kid. He's, he always gives you honest stuff. He gives good stuff for us because he just says what he thinks. Okay? He was asked yesterday, hey, you know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this league. 
And where do you think you sort of stack up? As an Aggie fan, do you want him to say, ah, probably third or fourth, you know, I'm cool. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle is about right right now. But he said, I think I'm the best guy. And, uh-huh. and that's not true. Nobody around here, you pull every one of them, not one person say Mon's the best quarterback in the league. Not one. But he's got to believe that. But he believes that. Well, he has to. Yes, he has to believe it. I'll tell you this, too. Heard from two separate sources. One was on the jet, and one actually did the – well, I don't want to give away my source. One was on the jet, and one was very close with them prior to their departure for SEC Media Day. Okay. uh, Both of them said Jimbo freaking loved it. Love that he said that. Uh, hey, I, I want that out of my quarterback. Yeah. I want him to think he's better than Tua. And I don't think he is, but I do think he's going to. Look, E.J. Manuel got so much better year one to year two in the system. Uh, uh, Jameis's first spring at Florida State, do you know how many picks he threw in the spring game? Seven. Did he really? Then he redshirted. Then he got second year in the system. And yeah. then he had one of the great individual seasons we've seen in his second year in the system. Can I uh, tell ponder you st- in the system year one to year two. Ponder? They get better as they go along. I mean, he's churning out first-rounders for a reason. Yeah. I think Mon's the next dude to have a chance to do that. He's got a, he's got a shot. It won't be this year. It's going to be after he's had a lot of time in this system, and potentially 2020 could be just a huge year for Texas A&M. Yeah. I think he's a good player. I wouldn't put him past potentially leapfrog. I don't love Fromm, frankly. I didn't love, look at the LSU game, what Texas did. I don't think mm-hmm. Texas was elite defensively, what they did. You think Georgia was maybe a little disinterested? Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. I don't love Fromm. Like, I was thinking, okay, is Fromm better than McCarron? I don't think so yeah. that much. Yeah. I mean, you know talent, quarterback talent more than I do, but when he had all those backs, he had that great offensive front, he just gobs a receiving Look, talent. Got, now now he doesn't. He's you're handing to go the ball win. to Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. Yeah. And still now they're going to do that. I mean, they're, they're going to run good, for a million yards this year. But I'm still, you know, they're good and they were good last year, but I'm still not sure it's quite yep. Sony Michelle, Nick well, Chubb. Well, their leading returning receiver had like 20, uh, 10, nine catches or something yeah, like that. That's right. So they had Holloman's out too, and they had top three guys gone. He's going to have to go find some receiving talent. Gabe Buck, Texags. This is what I was going to tell you about Jimbo. Um, and I'm sure you've heard these stories. Two years ago at the SEC baseball tournament, before Gabe Gross took a baseball coaching job at Auburn. Oh, yeah. He was an analyst. Yes, he was. But Gabe was not only a great baseball player at Auburn and pro baseball player eventually, he was starting quarterback, played for Jimbo Fisher. I was talking to Gabe up in the stands one day. We were just shooting the bull, talking and everything. I don't know how it got there, but he started telling a story about playing that first year as a freshman for Jimbo Fisher. I guess it was because we played against each other, actually, in college. He was on the And And he said, man – he said, Jimbo, he said, that guy, he said, he was so unbelievably hard on me. He said, I've never had a coach that rode me like Jimbo rode oh, yeah. me that first year oh, yeah. as a freshman. He goes, and what happened, this is Gabe Gross telling the story very organically. He said, what happened is about the second week of fall camp, we had a scrimmage. He said, and it was the worst that it ever was. He said, and after it was over, he said, I went into his office. He said, here I am, freshman. I go in there to see Jimbo, and I tell him, he said, now walk in after he's ridden me like this all day. And he's like, hey, man, what's up? Good to see you. <laughs> he said, Jimbo, he goes, Coach, man, how am I supposed to be the leader and have my team respect me when you're dog cussing me for two solid hours every day and I'm telling me how terrible I am? I mean, how? <laughs> and he said, he said, Jimbo says, hey, listen, listen, man. It's not personal at all. He says, this is how this works. He says, yeah. what's going to happen is eventually – you're, those guys that are older than you in the huddle are going to then love you because of, they're going to put their arm around you and say, hey, man, you're our guy. Don't listen to him. 
Right. Look, he said, so he said, Jimbo tells him, look, don't even listen to it. Just do your job. He said, they're going to love you more for it if you just put up with me. Wow. It's going to make you better. Oh, and yeah. Gabe said, you know what? He said, about a week later, we had a scrimmage. He's riding me, riding me. He said, but on a third down, we threw a touchdown and scored. He said, he had an offensive lineman named Geno James, uh-huh. who I knew Geno, put his arm around him and said, hey, man, don't listen to that daggum coach. He just block him out. You're our guy. That's awesome. See, so it was a story about yeah. how Jimbo – he has always done a great job with the psychology of quarterbacks oh, yeah. and, and the huddle. He also knows who he can push and who he can't push, the personality of these guys. And, and he used that – look, this is Twitter world now. This is 1995. Yeah, what right. year was it, Matt? It was, that was about 98, but Twitter didn't okay. exist okay. until okay. 10 no, years later. No, it wasn't even close. And you can coach guys different. But what did Jimbo say yesterday? Like, guys, guys, will let you, guys will let you coach them. I mean, it, and a lot of times it's not, uh, it's not a kid problem these days. It might be hmm. – you know, maybe we're just – they're not used to being pushed like this, but at our program we're going to do it. He still coaches guys that same way. And in a quarterback competition, yeah. he's going he's gonna to go to the nth degree and figure out who can hold up. Kellen Mond's dad was, is in the military. Kellen's used to that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that helped him in the competition with Nick Starkle. Starkle did not – I love Nick Starkle. I think he's got a bazooka. Right, he's got an incredible. He does have a great arm. Like this guy's really talented, but overall, who could handle Jimbo's coaching? Kellen Mond was able to withstand that a lot better. You think that military background has a lot to do with that? I problem. think that helped him in a huge way. Yeah, yeah he, Kellen Mond got pushed a lot like that as a kid. Yeah, so he was able to to figure that out. Now, now Nick Starkle, both his parents are military jags. It's not like he wasn't a military okay. guy too. Okay, but overall, just personality wise, I think that helped more than anything. And. Kellamon's a leader. I like the I like the kid a lot. Yeah. I really and I thought he was really impressive yesterday. Yeah. Gabe Bach on your radio right now. We're chatting it up here on Radio Row. Alabama's here, Arkansas is here. Speaking of Starkle. Yep. Um, and then in the afternoon we have South Carolina, Mississippi State. In fact, Joe Moorhead just talked one on one with Brett Hudson upstairs. Y'all, if y'all nice. are listening, I just got a text on that. And then he's gonna hit on the podium there at about one thirty. So all that's coming your way here on the show. Um I just I wanted to kind of ask you, yeah, you're excited. You see progress on the field. You know, another year under Jimbo. That recruiting class, does that have people kind of like jacked up on oh, yeah. the edge of their seat in Aggie land right now? Oh, yeah. You know the guy. You start looking at teams that are in the playoffs, and you can recruit at a top five to ten level and not ever make a playoff. Yeah. But you can hardly – you, it's hard to be a perennial playoff program Without when you're not five. recruiting in the top five or ten. It's just played out. Proof is played. Just look 20 years. Look mm-hmm. in the quote-unquote rivals era and see who's recruiting well, who's in the, the BCS bowl games, and who's who's you know playing for national championships at that championship elite level, which A&M hadn't, but they hadn't recruited like this. Uh, the development's been hit and miss. Even when someone, when someone was recruiting, and people generally regard him as a pretty darn good recruiter, it was more 10 to 17 range, mm-hmm. which sure. is solid. Yeah. Right now he's 82nd. His best player is a tight end from Texas. He never ran a tight end at Texas A&M. So, <laughs> right. interestingly enough, uh, where's the expose coming that Rich Rod left the program in shambles, right? Because yeah. that happened at Florida State. But um, Good point. Yeah. So, But at the same time, they're recruiting at an elite level, top five level. They're, they're – Highly in on this Haynes King guy who's one of the top three dual threat quarterbacks in 2020 class. They got it kind of set up right now. You know he's going to develop. Jerry Schmidt, championship of Florida, championship 
uh, success at Notre Dame, championship at OU. As a strength coach, this guy's as good as anybody. Yeah. Uh, Mike Elko, as long as they can keep him, I mean, I think Aggies would just take door number one right now. Two more years would be just huge. Probably not going to happen. I mean, you're lucky to get him for a second year. This guy's making a beeline up the coaching ranks, no question about it. That's right. You hope you get him. He turned down Temple not once but twice. So and he's and he went to Penn. So there was a draw there. And a lot of his recruiting's happening in New Jersey. A&M signed one person ever from New Jersey. Well, this class they have two. Two. And you know, New Jersey per cap, they get, they're putting out players. They Mika, do. But I mean, they're putting out players. And and nobody wants a history lesson. But when Shiano got Rutgers off the oh, ground yeah. about ten or so years ago, it was because he started landing all the New Jersey players. They keeping stayed. them in there. That's exactly right. Yeah. Instead of going to Penn State or Ohio State, That's right. Wisconsin can get there. Jonathan Taylor's a Taylor, um, and and I'm I'm drawing up with Ray Rice. Yeah, of course. Wasn't he a New right. Jersey guy? Right. Also. Got got those guys to stay. So yeah. they're doing a great job. They're recruiting. I think the development's good. Here's the thing: you, me, and everyone that I'm seeing, I think 95 percent of the people we poll would say. A&M's on the rise. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. The question is, how quickly? Mm -hmm. And can they do it a year ahead of schedule on this schedule? Yeah. And by golly, the dang Mississippi schools is the way we, we say in Texas A&M. The dang Mississippi It's the schools. dang Mississippi's, man. <laughs> At Mississippi's where A&M has gone to die. Yeah. I mean, you talk about number four in the country, Trevor Knight coming in and the – the next week, you saw it. I saw it. Clanga, yeah. clanga, man. It's still in our heads. Yeah. After what happened over there, I mean, yeah, it, that last trip was a rough one, and then um, that last trip, the trip before that, that's 16, the last 14. two. Yeah, the last two, wasn't it? Fourteen coming off that crazy win against Arkansas. They you had know, it rolling in, a, in the top ten, what losing was, Stark Vegas. What was interesting about last year's um, loss for A and M in Starkville was that that was an SEC game where Nick Fitzgerald in that passing game like just they came to life. Up. With all it took for Nick Fitzgerald to go Superman was third and eighteen. Yeah, throwing to freshman. That's exactly right. It's ridiculous. About that. Osiris yeah. Mitchell. I mean, I know that guy now. Yeah, and know his other, name. Stephen Gidry. 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 Yeah. Both those guys are back. They've added yeah. some some players into the mix there too. That was a real tight game. Adam couldn't do much against that defense, but uh, Corey Not Davis got that little slip screen. Was able to take it and just give you some life. Just like Christian Kirk two years prior to that with that yeah. punt return. Yeah. It's like, holy – you're going to halftime thinking this shouldn't even be this close because State was dominating the game. That's right. Suddenly it was kind of tight. But, you know, I'll tell you this much, a little stat for you. Okay. A&M was 4-0 against the Mississippis in the Johnny era. Okay, there's some tight games in there. There was. Remember they were and playing there was some for the fireworks too, at 13, like trying to set up Johnny time, oh, and all yeah. of a sudden Dak wasn't having it the week his mom died. And it's like Dak was going to go try to steal one at Kyle Field in the last game at Old Kyle. Yeah. Johnny's last game at Kyle Field. They tried to just set it up. Someone almost lo- – he almost he almost butchered almost that thing. Yeah. He almost blew that sucker because the only one still playing was Prescott. Yeah. And you know how much I like Dak. I mean, yeah. he's my favorite A&M opposing player ever in the SEC era. Maybe ever in general. Yeah. But uh, – and Nick Fitzgerald may be more of an Aggie killer <laughs> because Dak never beat A&M at Kyle Field. That's right. But, but Nick did on Nick multiple did. occasions, I think. So, it's like – it, but well, at least the one time. One time, yeah, yeah. the one time, and then twice at at uh, Starkville. But uh, post Johnny, the last five years, A and M is three and seven against mm. the Mississippi schools. Yeah, three and seven. Now, if you want to go do all this, and everybody's talking Big Four at Clemson, Bama at home, at Georgia, at LSU in Week Eleven and Twelve, back to back at Athens, at Baton Rouge. That's the Big Four everybody talks about. Well, can you win one of those, two of those? Yeah. Well, don't A and M's never beat Auburn at home, okay, ever. 
beating Auburn at Kyle Field. Wow. And they're three and seven against the Mississippis. So the real important games are you got to take care of business. They got to sweep the Mississippis, and that's yeah. that's not easy to do. Sure. It do has they all never happen the way the schedule is? Do you get them? Do you do, do, do you, you get Bama get... and Auburn together? So okay. it's at Kyle. Okay. What about State and Ole Miss though? Are State they Ole Miss flip? Uh, they flip yeah. flop. So yeah. every year one of them's on the road. Yes, is what you're looking every at. every year. And a lot of times they're back to back weeks. Remember what happened after the heartbreak of the heartbreak of sixteen? We lost to State. Jay Kubinak had to come in. Yeah. On the next week was Shea Patterson's first game, and he. He That's got hot right. late, and AM blew a 12, 13, 14 Lord, point lead. He made some throws. Patterson made, some, made throws. some throws in that game. He I made remember some throws, that. but that was the weakest defensive backfield I've ever seen. Yeah. And that night, they were just air. Yeah. It was crazy. It was tough. So the Mississippis have been nightmarish for AM post Johnny. <laughs> really Mississippi's, has. it's so interesting <laughs> how, you know, our listeners on our show, you know, you get this perspective of how, you know, you look at around the conference right. and different schools look at it differently. But we have a lot of respect for the Mississippi schools because <laughs> they've won they've won their fair share yeah, of works huge out that games. Way. Well, I'm tell you one thing: A&M lost 16 to State, but had they won the, the the game that they had in the bag against Ole Miss with Shea making his very first action of his career, yeah. wearing 20 out there, yeah. it's like uh, okay. I think one, three, five, and six in the country lost, and A&M went from four to like nine after the state loss. But if they just beat Ole Miss, they're, they're back, back around four or five. Well, they lost. Guess where they were? Out of the 25 really? after the Ole Miss loss. That was the loss that started the downfall of Kevin Sumlin and then blowing a 34-point lead in the last 17 minutes at UCLA. Yeah. It was over. At that, that was point. an ugly one right there. That was ugly. That, hey, I'll tell you this, my one think, prediction, that will never happen under Jimbo. Yeah, I don't think so either. It will not happen. <laughs> either that or he'll fire everybody the next day. <laughs> right. Gabe Bach from Texags. Thank you, man. I love it. Love it. Good Always talk. good to good talk stuff. to you as well. Live from Radio Row in Hoover, y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show, live from Radio Row, inside the Winfrey Hotel, Hoover, Alabama. Day three of SEC Media Days, and all my coverage from Media Days is brought to you in part by High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany. Dan, the coffee man, and all the folks there at High Point Roasters. Get your coffee online, highpointroasters.com. You can go see them, too. It's right there on Highway 15. They are great people. And it's even better coffee, and they don't mind me saying that, I promise you. The Farm Bureau Studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Got the banner displayed proudly right here over my shoulder. It says Farm Bureau Insurance. They are the home team. And somebody from around home has come over here to Hoover as well, and he's sitting right across from me. A real treat. You normally hear this guy on the Divini Equipment phone line, where I always tell you that Divini Equipment, is the oldest Kubota dealer in the United States. Means they've been doing it better longer than anybody else. But instead of on the phone, Gator Greg is live and in person on Radio Row. How'd you get in here, Greg? Well, I used uh, I used your uh, I got 
a little clearance from you, but uh, <laughs> but I, I've been over here a couple of years. And, yeah, uh, and, they and, know uh, you kind of by face they, now, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and uh, and they let me in. Uh, I tell you, uh, these Alabama fans or something. Uh, <laughs> although it looks like it was less fans this year, maybe they're still kind of a little down after the beat down Clemson put on them a little bit because yeah. you didn't see as many Bama fans. Greg, that is a good observation. There, there was you know probably not quite a hundred inside the ropes in there and they're usually are, they're busting at the seams. Yeah, it's and, usually maybe four or five times that. Maybe, yeah. you know, I didn't sense the excitement. I wonder them. if breaking up media days and taking it to Atlanta last year might have interrupted some of that. I, it, that's possible also. You, you know, and now that I think about it, uh, it looks like, I'm, you know, like I think the league is trying to grow it and I think it may, even though I think a lot of people uh, because of the central location like it, I think it's not that bad a move to take it to Atlanta and then Nashville, and then we'll see what goes from there. Sure. It's, it's grown, and uh, it's really big. And this is like, you know, the unofficial start of the, the season. Look right behind you. There's former Alabama quarterback Blake Sims, but he's wearing a Bo Scarborough jersey. That's, That's interesting. I spoke to Blake earlier. Hey, uh, Gator Greg, sit mm-hmm. here with me. I want to hear something. Sure. Um, if you're tuning in, I'm Matt Wyatt. We are live at SEC Media Days. Brett Hudson, a part of our media team, he is Brett underscore Hudson on Twitter. He just had a short one-on-one conversation with Joe Moorhead upstairs in the holding room before they are right now at this moment about to send Joe out to address the media. Here's Brett Hudson's one-on-one with Bulldog head Going coach. into preseason camp, you've got bodies at defensive tackle, but yeah. little in, in the words of proven commodities, yeah. uh, I guess. What what needs to happen to establish depth there in time for when SEC teams start coming around? I think reps is the biggest thing in, you know, between. You know, we moved James Jackson back to defense, mm-hmm. so he can play tackle. So, you know, Kendall, Lee, and, and uh, James kind of have the most experience in there. Then you got Fabian and Cromedy and Devon, you know, Alan Love, you know, from Louisville. And you got Pick and some of those other guys. So they're just going to need, they're going to need a ton of reps, and they're going to need it. They're going to need to mature and grow up pretty quickly. Had some luck with quarterbacks in your recent coaching career, with McSorley taking a second year at Penn State and yeah. Michael Niebrick being around so long at at Fordham. So you haven't had a ton of quarterback battles. How does uh, Joe Moorhead quarterback battle get organized? Um. I don't think we do necessarily anything unique. You, you just got to make sure that you're uh, entering camp with a plan for the reps and making sure the guys that are the primary contenders are getting uh, you know, the necessary number of snaps with, 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 with the ones and the twos. And, you know, whether the two different ways I've done it is rotate the person with the ones and the twos by day or rotate them by period. And I think that's something where we have a week uh, prior to camp when we get back next Thursday that we'll discuss that plan. And, and I don't want to say it's organic, but you know the ones that I've been around kind of towards the tail end of it. They sort you know, themselves they out. They sort themselves out, and, and when they don't, you know that's when you have to make a tough decision. And you know the last one I was involved in was the, the Trace Tommy one, and yeah. you know we uh, could have gone either way, and we made a decision, and it worked. And uh, you know we found a role for Tommy as well. And expectations have been kind of building for Kylan as his body has changed yeah. over his couple years at, at Mississippi State. How can you take advantage of a weapon like that whose whose body just continues to get better? Yeah, I, I think probably just like any other back that's played in the system and has had a tremendous amount of success. And you know, year year one to year two for Saquon, it, it wasn't as much about the carries as it was the touches. Mm-hmm. And I think you know when Kylan stays healthy, you know he was on track for a thousand yard season last year. But I think. His maturation, both physically and mentally, are going to help. Uh, you know the way that he feels 
confident, you know, with where he's at, you know, yeah. weight wise, strength wise, all those things. And, uh, you know, I think Coach Richardson has done a good job with him from an approach standpoint. So, you know, if he's able to stay, stay consistent, you know, I, I'm anticipating a breakout year for him. With safety, you're kind of a lot like defensive tackle where you've got bodies, you've got talent, you just yeah. don't have anything proven. It does exact right. positions like Marcus Murphy and Jaquarius yeah. Landrews. How do you, how do those guys take the general defensive back athleticism and mindset and tailor it to what the safety position specifically demands? Yeah, I think that's one of the great things that Coach Shoup does coaching the position and defensively is you know, tailoring the, the scheme around what those guys are able to do from a coverage and run support standpoint. So, you know, CJ played some last year. Obviously, Capri played. You know, Marcus, we got his feet wet. You know, didn't redshirt him. Uh, he could play. He could play either safety. He could play star. He could probably play corner too if he needed to. So, you know, much like you mentioned, the, the defensive uh, tackle position. It won't be that we're bereft of talent. And it'll be just uh, getting some experience for him. Gotcha. Thanks for joining us, coach. That's Brett Hudson, one-on-one, upstairs about five minutes ago with Joe Moorhead, head coach Mississippi State. Gator Greg is joining me, one of our avid listeners to the show here and has been for a long time. Yeah. You've been, you've been uh, engaging with me on the radio uh, for a, a long time. I guess maybe more over uh, – I guess a decade, maybe yeah. even longer than that. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen you You, you went into uh, – you were the pregame host of Mississippi State. Now you're the Cullen commentator. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a little Mississippi State uh, preview yeah. uh, since uh, what do you here think? What do you think about Joe Moorhead's comments about uh, the quarterback battle, how that's going to play out? And, and maybe this is something you can also can share with me. I understand this year I think Coach Moorhead's a little bit more involved in the play calling. Yeah. It, he had the other guy that was here last year basically that had it. He kind of maybe, you know, kind of maybe was a an overseer when I'm talking about Coach Moorhead. I think with – with with the year now with head coaching experience and him getting more involved and you got some pieces coming back I, I really like Kylan Hill yeah uh, I like uh, I like Gidry I think he he's a good player you know they've added some receivers too they get the the transfer from uh, Kansas, Kansas State, State Isaiah Zuber if he's healthy he's really good he just catches the football and then uh, Javante Payton uh, big time JUCO kid but we've seen Gidry is an example. Chauncey Rivers is an example. A lot of times, Greg, it takes a JUCO guy about the first half of the season to get his sea legs under him, right? Mm -hmm. And then they start making plays in the second half of the year. And and I like the schedule kind of building for you going into October, Uh, you know, a chance to play uh, in New Orleans. I think a lot of fans, a lot of my state friends are excited about that. And then you got Southern Miss. State rivalry back at home and Kansas State. Uh, it'd be interesting to see they got a new coach uh, yeah. going there. The guy that came from what North Dakota State That's to right. replace Coach mm-hmm. Snyder. Yep. And then uh, good football coach. And then you know, uh, you know, I know the state folks really look forward to that Kentucky game again to get Kentucky. <laughs> right. uh, but I like I like the squad. Uh, you know, I was just talking to you. I think Mississippi State with well, a second year under Coach Moorhead. I think he's going to be more hands on on offense, and you still got some good players in the, at each level. In defense, and that's kind of how you have to do it. Uh, Danzler's terrific cornerback. Yeah, he is. Uh, well, and they have some pieces of the puzzle on defense. And on offense, you know, they kind of have their main guy back on the offensive line they build around is Daryl Williams. Daryl is here today as one of the representatives for Mississippi State. Uh, here's less than a minute, just a quick question that Brett grabbed with Daryl about three minutes ago upstairs. He just sent it to me. I'm going to play it for you now. This is Daryl Williams on making the transition from guard, replacing this year Errol, um, I'm sorry, um, Elton Jenkins 
at center. 30 seconds. Let's get it in. Is that more of a mental or a physical test moving to center? I, I think it's more of a mental. I mean, not physical. I mean, I'm, it's always, it's always coming. To be an old man, you always got to be physical. But it's more mental because you got to know all the calls. I mean, you got to make sure your, your, your quarterback stay protected. So, and so he's talking about it's more of a mental challenge than it is a physical one. Uh, to make that transition. Gator Greg, it is great to see you, my friend. Let's do it. Ag- oh, there you go. Let's do it again soon. All right, thanks for Thank having you. me. Enjoy lunch on me. All right. Jim Thanks. Nagy of the Senior Bowl coming up next. Y'all stick around. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. All right, here we go. Back on the show, live on Radio Row. The Farm Bureau studio came with me. It was on the beach with me last week, and now it's with me here in Hoover at the Winfrey Hotel for day three of SEC Media Days. And um, it is Mississippi State Day. It's also Bama Day. All of my coverage here this week is brought to you by High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany. Highpointroasters.com. I had some this morning. I bring it with me. Grind the beans, put it in the press. Yeah, call it what you want. Fru-fru, make fun. I don't care. It's the best coffee there is, and uh, you need to check it out. Dan the Coffee Man, follow him on Twitter. A real treat right now as we kind of wrap up the show here on day three of SEC Media Days. The executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. Now, he has an NFL background, 18 years in the NFL as a scout and in other capacities. He's been a part of three world champions. Patriots, Packers, Seahawks, to name uh, those three. And now is heading things up with the Senior Bowl. Jim, really appreciate some time. I've seen you kind of making the rounds. It's a pleasure to meet you. And I'm interested to talk to you because I know you um, got to see Tommy Stevens throwing the ball around in person at the Manning Passing Academy recently, right? Yeah, I did. Matt, thanks for having me on. This is uh, this is really a cool scene here. I've never been to a media day before. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is cool. Yeah, I got a chance to see Tommy a couple weeks ago, and it was just, uh, you know, again, like it's a, as you're, when you're a scout, it's expectations are always a dangerous thing. Like you shouldn't sure. you shouldn't come in with any expectations when you're when you're evaluating the player. Um, but I guess I just had this expectation that Tommy was you know good athlete, more of a runner. And I was completely wrong. That kid can rip the football. Man. Yeah, he, is, he can really throw it. So again, like I, I put something out on Twitter, and it, it uh, Mississippi State fans jumped on it, which is cool. I mean, you, first of all, your fan base, the Mississippi State fan base, just from my interaction on, on social media, which I never was on until I got this job. But the support that Mississippi State football gets on on social media is incredible. But um, yeah, but I mean, it, it's got to be it's going to be different when there's 21 other men on the field, and he's sure. and, you know, but but just watching him throw. Um, God, he's he's got an impressive arm, and he's big. You know, I think I was talking to somebody today. Uh, uh, I've watched them throw it around a little bit in their summer stuff, but I'm 30, 40 yards away. Mm-hmm. Last night uh, at, at a Mississippi State alumni event, I drove back to Mississippi, and and while folks were getting ready, I go backstage, and Tommy was back there. They'd been signing autographs, and so I went up and we talked a little bit. And we're standing there, and. You know, I'm tall. I don't normally see people whose eye level is above mine, but he is. You yeah, know, he's, he's a, he's six a big five. kid. <laughs> he is a big kid. And, you know, and then, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, okay, so they used him at receiver at Penn State. They used him. They handed him the ball some at Penn State. And, you, you know, you just don't think of this tall, lean, 230-pounder. 
as a guy who's playing receiver. But so, you know, we'll see how that transitions. In your years as a scout, you go and you watch somebody, and they have these tools, and they sling it pretty good like this. In, in, some people call it the underwear Olympics. Then how do, right. you, how do you evaluate that or just juxtapose that against, okay, well now we got to see it happen with pads on? Yeah, the, the most important thing is what you see on tape. I mean, the, the nice thing at the Manning Camp to see Tommy, and he checks all the boxes physically. You know, he's, like you said, stature-wise, yeah. arm strength. So all the physical tools are there. And, uh, you know, now we just need to see how the, how the actual skill set comes together. But, um, yeah, I wasn't even aware he played wide receiver at Penn State. You're, you're educating me right now. I I'm going to send you a link <laughs> of about ten plays that I went back and looked over two years at Penn State. Uh-huh. It's incredible the way they used him, and a lot of it under Joe Moorhead. They lined him up on the numbers. They had him in the slot, did a lot of things. So I'll send you the link. It'd be, you'll find it a pretty interesting. Kind of like what the Saints do with, uh, with, exactly. the, with our dude from BYU. I'm blanking on his name. That's but. right. I couldn't find any you know, punt blocking plays for Tommy, but right. a lot of similarities there. <laughs> Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, on your radio right now. You have a familiar name in the office with you at the Senior Bowl. Sure do. Sylvester Krim. Yeah. What's that like working with Coach Kroon? It's uh, it's an honor, really is. I mean, he's one of those guys. You, I'm sure you've been around him from his time up there. He's one of those men. When you leave him, um, you just feel smarter. You know, he's he's like, a, well, he's got such wisdom, and he's done so many things, and you know, really a pioneer in a lot of ways for what his life's been all about. So, no, he's been a huge asset to me personally uh, because I, I, you know, I been on the road scouting for 18 years and uh you know you're just driving around the car by yourself and going from school to school and uh you know haven't had a lot of management experience you know in terms of having a staff so uh really leaned on them in those areas so yeah it's been it's been a blessing when does the process begin uh you know really begin and kick into high gear of starting to to look and, and, and narrowing things down even to who's going to get the invite to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, the nice thing was we're way ahead of us. So I took the job last June. Yeah. Um, so this was my first year with the game. Got through the game cycle. So we're way ahead. We actually started putting the board together in March. So uh, we looked at all we looked at all the junior tape. We've got 300 and some players graded already. And uh, but when you said start paring it down, that'll that'll happen over the course of the fall during the games. Yeah, we'll we'll start we'll start. Uh, we've got six scouts working with us um, this year, all former NFL scouts. That's how I'm staffing it every year. Guys okay. that get let go from their teams. Okay. And uh, so we're going to be spread around the country and going to be at game sites. And uh, yeah, it, it'll be a process as we work through the fall. Yeah. So those scouts watching, kind of perusing, and I guess communicating with college coaches. Do do college coaches and staffs give you a lot of input? They do, yeah, they, they they absolutely do. That's one difference between working for the Senior Bowl and being an NFL scout is that uh, you know we they, they want their guys in our game and and they're very very helpful um, for the most part. You know when we send the invites out, that's the only time where it gets a little sticky. We send the invites out and we send them to the head coach. So there are a couple there are a couple head coaches in our country that don't like to give those invites out until after um, they get through like the conference championship game. Sure, yeah. So. Right. Um, there's one school that's in that conference championship game every year, and that, that coach tends to hold on to the invites. But, I wonder. Uh, yeah. I bet I could guess. But other, he sees it as, as a distraction to his players. But, no, it's, uh, the cooperation we get from, from the teams is great, and that's why having an NFL background is so big because you have those relationships. Just like anything in life, it's all about relationships. Sure. Jim Nagy, executive director, the Reese's Senior Bowl, on your radio right now live at SEC Media Days here in Hoover, Alabama. What's the hardest? You were a scout for 18 years in the NFL. What's the hardest position to evaluate? 
I think that that probably varies from scout to scout. You know, I think that it's pretty normal to, to feel more of a comfort zone with the position you played, right? So right, sure. uh, kind of start there. But mine was always, people always, ask, mine was linebacker. Okay. And uh, I got really lucky over my years in the NFL. Uh, in New England, I worked with a guy, Matt Russell, who won the Buckus Award at Colorado and played for the Detroit Lions for a number of years. And then uh, I was with, in Seattle, I was with Dan Morgan, Okay. who won the Buckets Award at Miami and played for the Panthers for a number of years. So just sitting watching tape with those guys and just trying to pick their brain. I mean, you can always get better at every position, but just to be around two guys that were not just great linebackers but really instinctive linebackers that, sure. you know, saw the game really well was, was very helpful. You know, the, the position of linebacker, when you really stop and think about it, it's one of the few positions on the field where you have to play on multiple levels yeah. on your side of the ball. Like, if I'm a center, I'm in the trenches. That's where I am. Right. You know, the rare play where I run out of there and pull or something. If I'm a quarterback, I'm in the backfield. That's just what I am, unless yep. it's a, a run play. If I'm a safety, I'm in the backfield. You know, but as a linebacker, on the same play, I'm, I'm, I may be in coverage or I may be stepping downhill and hitting a running back in, the, in B gap. And so that's a really hard – that's something I've never really thought about. It's really – it's it, it, there's so many – you're asked those linebackers to do so many things. So when I was in Seattle, bring it back to Mississippi State, we had K.J. Wright. You know, and I think K.J. has been such a great pro because he can do so many things. Like, sure. Sometimes you got to go as a staff and you're kind of piecemealing your linebacker group, you know, on, depending if you're in regular or sub-defense. And, you know, you got a guy that can cover, but he, he won't play downhill, so you're not going to play him on rundowns. And, you know, that's where K.J. excels. He can do everything. And it is, that makes it hard, you know, because they rush, they cover. You know, you got to play the run. So, yeah, linebackers is uh, – you know, that's why when you when you find a good one, um, yeah. they're really, really valuable. Right. Especially when they're, you know, 6'4", 240, and extremely long arms like yeah. KJ, right? Not down to his knees, right. <laughs> yeah. Jim, it is great to talk to you. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm really glad that I got to meet you here, uh, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Yeah. It's, I like picking your brain, talking football. No, it'd be, it'd be great. You know, we had a bunch of misses. We had Montez Sweat in the game last year and Jonathan Abram. Abram. And, he and, made uh, a real impression with uh, Oakland last he did, year. He did. And Jenkins, and, you know, who went up to Green Bay. I mean, we had a – we had a bunch. So, Gary Green, I mean, it was, yeah. it was a good crew. We had a really good crew. So, hopefully we can get back up to Starkville and uh, find us some more players this year. Absolutely. Y'all follow him on Twitter at Jim Nagy underscore SB, as in Senior Bowl, the executive director of the Reese Senior Bowl. Jim, thank you. Thanks, Matt. I Talk appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll give him a follow. As we wrap up here, the coverage on day three, a reminder, everything I'm doing here brought to you by, in part, High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany. I had coffee just a little bit ago from High Point as I got the day started. Uh, at the podium right now, as we speak, going through the car wash of interviews on the second level here at the Winfrey, Joe Moorhead. Uh, we're going to kind of take all that, take the best from that, as well as with Errol Thompson, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, a guy who may be in that senior bowl. Big draftable interior offensive lineman. They're upstairs talking. You're going to hear a ton of that on uh, tomorrow's radio show uh, here uh, on uh, The Zone and then at night on WBLE Batesville and WVBG Vicksburg. So all that's coming up. I bet a bunch of you didn't even know that Sylvester Croom is on the staff for the Reese Senior Bowl. Yeah, he is. He's the Senior Vice President of Operations. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so he and Jim working closely there. We're going to continue to talk to Jim as we get closer and closer to football season and throughout. A guy who was a scout for 18 years, um, Sylvester Croom. I guarantee you we can get him on the phone too. So we're going to do that also some during football season. So the scouting and evaluation of players is a big part of what we follow for. It really is. 
So they're just getting the afternoon started here, the afternoon session with South Carolina, Mississippi State. I'm going to head on up there and see what Joe Moorhead's got to say. I'll tell you all about it on tomorrow's show right here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. See you then. See you. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.